0: Come on, church, let's give God a shout of praise. He's a good, good God. He loves you. He saved you. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people shout eat. Amen. amen, amen. Slap someone a high five and then take a seat. Go ahead and do that. So, if you have been here the last couple of weeks, you will know that we are in part three of a message series called Living in Alignment. And it seems that our director of creative arts, Mitch, has taken that so much to heart. He's in the hospital having his bones aligned right now while we're in here because he realized he was out of alignment, you know. Well, after falling in the ice playing hockey, he was out of alignment. <laughs> and, I mean, let's just take, let's just talk about Mitchy's broken bone for a minute here. <laughs> the fact that one, one of his bones, a bone in his arm has broken, and it was such a clean break, meant that they couldn't just put it back together. You know, there needs to be metal put in to keep it together. The fact that he had surgery and metal put in, he got an infection, and so they're keeping him in the hospital. I guess till tomorrow or whenever. He'll be back. He will be healed. He will play the guitar, and all will be well, because he will get back into alignment. But if he didn't, if he was out in the, you know, the middle of nowhere like Saskatchewan or some place like that, <laughs> when he broke his arm and he didn't get any medical treatment, and that bone continued to stay out of alignment, not only would it affect his arm, but that infection would then get in everywhere and it would affect his whole life. Do you see how when something is out of alignment in your life, it needs to be corrected? It needs to be fixed. We looked at a verse last week from the Bible that says wisdom will snap you back into place. And when when things snap back into place in your life and you're in alignment, you are integrated, you are a person of integrity, you're integrated, and you're in alignment in yourself, you're not being pulled in all different directions, You know, sometimes we've got our conscious mind, our thoughts pulling us one way, and then we've got feelings deep down in our subconscious mind pulling us another way, and then we've got people in our life pulling us another way emotionally, and we feel pulled in all different directions, and we do not know which direction is the right direction to take because we ourselves are not integrated emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically Remember we saw that the Bible said a double-minded person, someone whose conscious mind and subconscious mind are pulling in opposite directions, it says a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways, not only in the way, not only in the the field that he is double-minded in, but it affects everything. A person with a broken bone out of alignment, if it doesn't get put back in alignment, it doesn't just affect the bone, it makes them unwell in all of their ways. It eventually begins to uh, infect and affect every part of your life. And so we saw the need for us to be snapped back into place. We saw the need for us to uh, indulge in some prayerful self-reflection, to find and fix the fault lines in our life so that we can be in alignment. We also saw about how once that we are whole and healed, that it's important for us to discover our life purpose because we could be whole and healed and still trying to go down the wrong path, but there is a path laid down for us. The Bible says God prepared that path in advance before you were even born here for you to walk down it. Do you know the Bible says every day of your life was written in God's book before one day even happened? And so it's important to find that book. <laughs> it's important to find that path. And then once we're in alignment, we can get in alignment with our life path, our purpose and go down the right path. Today's message is called Right Place, Right Time. Say that with me, please. Right place, right time. Because it is possible for us to become healed and whole people and to... Be, become acquainted with ourselves and become acquainted with who we are, how God has created us and wired us together, what we're gifted at and not gifted at, all of this giving us clues about what our life purpose is and what path we should, we, we should go down. We can get all of that right and we can try to do the right thing in the wrong place or at the wrong time. And so, We need to also be in alignment with our place in life and with our timing in life. And so that's what I want to talk about, being in the right place at the right time. Have you ever had this experience where somebody that you know has read a book and they are raving about how wonderful this book is? And they're telling you that you really need to read this book. See, when anybody ever says to me, you need to read this book, I don't know, there's a rebellious streak in me that whenever anybody tells me I need to do something, I ain't doing it, you know? Maybe I need to get that into alignment, that rebellious streak. But um, sometimes people will be like that, and then you will read the book, and then you'll say to yourself, It was all right, (laughs) it wasn't that great. And here's the deal, that book, for that other person, that book was the right book that came into their life at the right time and answered the questions that they were going through. But you were on a different path, you are at a different place of timing in your journey through life, and you're dealing with different questions, and so that book didn't mean the same to you. Or how about this situation? Maybe it's been the opposite side of the coin. Maybe one time you've read a book, and that book has helped you and impacted your life and imparted wisdom to you, and was such an encouragement and a blessing to you that you rave about it to everybody else, and nobody else reads it or cares about it the way you care about it. It's all a matter of timing. And so, um, there's a, in India, they have a saying, when the student is ready, then the teacher shall appear. Because if the teacher comes into your life before you're ready to hear what they've got to say, you're not interested. You, I don't have it. I don't need to know this. And so, when you are ready... When, you, when it is the right time and the right place and the right thing comes into your life, that's when everything begins to line up. Now, I, years ago, a long, long time ago, before I moved to Canada, I was going through this phase in my life where I... I kind of knew, generally speaking, what my calling, I mean, I was already a pastor, I was already leading a church, I was already teaching and being invited to speak in other places and things like that, and all of that seemed right, but there was something else going on in my life. At that time, I was also uh, indulging in some prayerful self-reflection. I was finding and fixing my fault lines in my life, making sure that I was coming into alignment, all the stuff we've been talking about, and I was beginning to discover my life purpose, not my general calling in life. I mean, you know, maybe your general calling in life is to be an artist. What does that mean? Are you going to be a painter? Are you going to be a potter? Are you going to be a sculptor? Are you going to be a musician? I mean, are you going to uh, write fiction? You know, it could mean a whole lot of things. And then even when you when you choose one thing, you then would narrow it down more and more. There are some things that pour out of you naturally that don't pour out of other people naturally. So you can know the general. And I knew the general. I knew I was called into ministry. I knew... I, I, You know, I was doing the best to be on the path that I should have been on, but there was something a little bit amiss. And it was more than that. It was more than that. I'll be honest with you. I would wake up on a Sunday morning and think, if I wasn't getting paid, I wouldn't go to church this morning. (laughs) I don't want to go to my church. I want to go to another church this morning (laughs) because something wasn't fitting together. I felt like I was a round peg trying to be forced into a square socket. You know, you could do it if you hammered it hard enough, but it wasn't quite right. And I questioned this. And at that time, I read a book. I mean, I'm going back over 15 years ago, but I read this book, very famous book. It's called The Alchemist. By Paolo Coelho. Anybody ever read The Alchemist? Give me a little wave. If you, okay, quite a few of you have. For those of you who haven't, I won't, give you, I won't give away any spoilers, but I was sitting in the botanical gardens in Glasgow, Scotland, in a big greenhouse, kind of like the Muttart conservatories, but much, much better, actually. Big, <laughs> big Victorian, beautiful thing. Anyway, and sitting in there, reading this book, The Alchemist, and I felt like I was reading my life story. Let me tell you what the story's about because this book helped me so much get this key that it's not enough to be in alignment and to be whole and integrated in yourself. It's not enough to discover your gifts and talents and strengths and your life purpose and what path you should be going down it is also important to know that you're in the right place at the right time. And that was how this book helped me. The story is about a shepherd boy in Spain who has a dream. He has this recurring dream that he has discovered treasure in a particular place. But this particular place is far, far away from where he lives. It's not in Spain. and But he has this recurring dream But he thinks it's just a daft dream, he's not gonna do anything about it, he's just a shepherd boy and he quite likes a little girl in the village down there and maybe one day if he can make enough money being a shepherd he could marry her and that kind of thing. Then one day he bumps into a strange biblical character, Melchizedek, and Melchizedek talks to him about his dream and about how he needs to follow the dream that has been placed within his heart and how it's not just the accomplishment of the dream but all of the lessons that he will learn in his journey to accomplish that dream and to find the treasure, those lessons will change him and make him into the person he is destined to become. So he goes off on his journey and it's a very long journey and he he stops in many towns and places. in lots of Arabic countries and things like that. And this is how it goes on. This is what Melchizedek tells him. When the dream that you have in your heart matches the circumstances that are going on in the outside world, you know that you're on the right path. Let me word it this way. If God has deposited a dream in your heart, then God has also cleared a path that will take you to that dream. And when the dream in your heart and the circumstances in your world line up, that's when you know that you're in the right place at the right time. And so in the story, the little boy, he travels, he goes to fulfill his dream, And sometimes he meets discouragements along the way, which make him want to quit. Like maybe bandits mug him and rob him, and he's left with nothing. And now what am I going to do? Or sometimes it's not bad circumstances coming into his life that will take him away from his dream. Sometimes it's good circumstances coming into his life that will rob him of his dream. Remember that Good is the enemy of great. And so sometimes he finds himself in a town or a city and he gets a a job, a temporary job for a while, and then he decides, I really like it here. Maybe I should just give up my dream and settle for this life instead. And he does that for a while. He will settle for for the life that he's got, but eventually things will begin to go wrong circumstances will begin to fight against him. He'll become restless inside because this is not his destiny. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he has to keep moving on until eventually he achieves his dream. And more importantly, the most important thing is not the accomplishment of your goals, but it's who you become in the process of accomplishing your goals. And when I read this book about being in the right place at the right time, it made so much sense to me. First of all, it answered a question that I had about about people and their callings and their careers and so on. And also, it made me think about a A passage, a book in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. Let me just read the passage first, and then we'll talk about the the lesson. Here's what it says. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Now, we city dwellers tend to be out of sync with the fact that life is a procession of seasons. Because, you know, we can live, we live in the city, we can have it at the same temperature all the time, through heating, through air conditioning, like we can go about our lives. If you live in the city and you work at an office, you can get to that office in the summer, you can get to that office in the spring, in the fall, in the winter, you do the same job every day, regardless of what season it is. But if you live in a rural area, if you're a farmer, you don't do the same job every day regardless of what the season is. You know you have to change the things that you're doing to to align with the season that you're currently in. And so we've kind of lost that, that that all of life is about seasons. And it is important for us to be able to discern what season in life you are in And therefore, what you should be doing right here, right now, in this season, not what you should have done five years ago, not what you should do in five years' time, but what you should be doing in the season you're currently in. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Everything in life, there's seasons for. He says, there's a time to tear and a time to mend, to be quiet, to speak, to love, to hate, for war, for peace. And this is the key to all of these seasons. He said, what do people really get out of all their work? Maybe this is a question that you have, and maybe you're in the rat race. I don't know if this job is the right job for me, but I just go through, what am I getting out of all of my work? And then he says this, I have seen the different tasks that God has given to each of us. You have got different gifts, different skills, different abilities, a different personality, different life experiences, different DNA to everybody else in this room, and that is not an accident. That is by God's design. He made you unique, different from everybody else. And therefore, he has given you different tasks to do, different from ever. I see all the different tasks that God has given to each of us. And see if we all just did the tasks that we're all supposed to do, they would all work out great. Look, God makes everything beautiful in its own time. It's a matter of timing. He has planted eternity in the human heart. A sense of divine purpose. A sense of divine purpose. That's that is that restlessness when you feel like you're doing the wrong tasks. You're I, I, like I don't mean when you need to vacuum the carpet and you think, oh, this is the wrong task. This is not my life journey, you know. I don't mean that, we all have tasks to do, but I'm talking about the the major flow of your life. When you're not on the right path, when things are not in alignment, there is a sense of divine dissatisfaction that stirs inside of you. Because you know you have a sense of divine purpose and destiny. And he says, a sense of divine which makes us yearn to understand the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And so, as I was reading this book, it made me think of this passage that there is a time and season to everything. That yes, God has given us all different tasks, given us all different paths to walk down, different gifts and abilities and so on, and put different dreams in our heart. And they're all good, and they will all blossom, and they will all become beautiful in their time. But if you try to make them blossom before their time, then you can damage the plant. They will all blossom and become beautiful in their time. When you follow that sense of divine purpose that's deep down within you? Now, here was the question that I had in my mind. I knew, but back in those days, I was friends with a number of pastors in the UK, some of whom led very large and growing churches, and some of whom led very small, struggling churches. But as I looked at them, um, I realized that it was not a matter of ability or of gifting or of anointing. Some of these guys that I knew that led, and it could have been women, but in this case it was guys, who who led these churches were some of the best preachers, teachers. I mean, they were prayer warriors. They prayed better than me. I used to feel ashamed how much they prayed. These people knew how to pray, and they knew how to love people, and they had a passion for God, and yet nothing was working out. And I'm like, why is that? But as I continued to read the book of Ecclesiastes, let's look at another verse from the same book. Here's where it says, I have observed something under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. Anointed preachers sometimes have tiny little churches. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all a matter of chance. It's a funny word, that, in Hebrew. The the old King James Bible translates it a matter of fate, which sounds like, well, tough luck, suck it up, buttercup, that's your life. But that's not what it means. This explains it better. It's all a matter of chance, By being, say it with me, in the right place at the right time. What I was talking about with pastors and people in ministry, you could apply it to every area of your life. Sometimes you just need to take that person and put them in the right place at the right time and they will blossom and flourish and bear fruit. Sometimes you might, if you're into horticulture, you might have a plant that just will not grow in an area of your garden because the shade is wrong, because the way the wind blows against it is wrong, because the soil type over there is wrong. But if you will uproot it and bring it into the greenhouse and plant it there where the light is perfect, where the temperature is perfect, where the humidity is perfect, that plant will suddenly become healthy, and it will bear fruit and flowers and it will blossom and flourish. Sometimes you need to get replanted out of the negative, destructive, wrong soil that you're in. And you need to find your place, your tribe, your, fit, your setting in life. And you need to do that at the right time and not try to do things before you're ready to do them. Let me word it this way. When I, was, when I was a kid, my father was, uh, he worked for shipbuilding companies, and he was a naval draftsman. So he was part of a team that would be involved in designing ships, which meant I got to go to a few launches of ships. There was usually like a, a member of the royal family or, or some celebrity or somebody there with a bottle of champagne, you know, and I name this ship the Queen Elizabeth III. May God bless her and all who sail in her. And then they would throw the champagne bottle, smash it against the ship. And as a little kid, I actually thought it was a champagne bottle. that made the ship slide down and into the water it would go. So I got to see a lot of these ship launches. So as I have been thinking about this, the idea of launching a ship just seemed to fit perfectly. And here's my first piece of advice, don't launch your ship before it's built. (laughs) Don't launch your ship, let's put that up, before it's fully built. Because you know what's going to happen? It's going to sink. Right down. And all of that hard work is going to be lost. Do you know Moses tried to launch his ship before it was fully built? Do you know there was a prophecy in the Old Testament that the people of Israel would be in Egypt for 400 years, and then God would deliver them, and they would go to the promised land. But if you read the Bible carefully, you're going to find out that the people of Israel were not in Egypt for 400 years. They were in Egypt for 430 years. They were in Egypt 30 years longer than they were supposed to be. And do you want to know why? Because Moses tried to launch his ship 10 years too soon. Look at this passage. Moses saw an Egyptian. Now, at this point in the story, they have been in Egypt 390 years. Okay? Moses saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So he came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. You see, when we take things into our own hands, when we don't have a genuine living relationship with God, which gives us that inner, that still small voice within, that intuitive nudge to know when something's the right time and when it's not, when we take things into our own hand, we can often mess them up worse than they were before. So he goes and kills somebody. So he kills the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but he didn't. They didn't. So he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. 40 years later, how many years later? So we had three, they, had, they were in Egypt for 390 years, and Moses was supposed to wait another 10 years, and then the great exodus would happen. There was a lot of things had to be in place before this happened. In fact, geologically, there was a big volcanic eruption that took place that also contributed to the plagues of Egypt, and that had, wasn't going to happen for 10 years. God knew all of that. And he's telling hold on, Moses, hold on. I'm, not, I'm going to sort this out myself. And he kills the guy, goes for 40 years. So now it's 400. Listen, for 30 years, there was a whole lot of Israelites that could have been set free. And they were still there. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. And you know the story. That's when Moses then goes and God sets the captives free. And so, don't launch your ship. Don't Even if you have a sense of divine purpose within you, you need to know that you're in the right place at the right time. Because if you try to do the right thing in the wrong place, At the wrong time, you're going to have to wait another 30 years. So just hold on and be patient. Don't launch your ship until it's fully built. But on the other hand, don't leave your ship on the dock once it is fully built. I have built a ship. I have dealt with all of my personal issues. I have spent time in prayerful self-reflection. I have found and fixed my fault lines and brought them to God, and I'm healed, and I'm in alignment, and I'm becoming acquainted with myself, and I know what my life purpose is, and I know what my gifts are. Right, that's it. I'm going for it. No, wait a minute. What if, what if I fail? Let's just sit here on the dock with everything perfect, but I don't want, you know, I've got a perfect ship, but it could get damaged if I put it in the water, so I'll just keep it in the dock. But the ship was designed for the water. And your life was designed for whatever adventurous path you're supposed to go down. It wasn't designed for sitting on the dock doing nothing. If you, okay, here's the story. Esther, book of Esther. Esther is a Jewish girl And she, she, they're in a foreign land. The king holds a beauty pageant to find a new wife. He likes her and chooses her as his number one wife. That makes her the queen. Then a bad guy called Haman uh, talks the king into starting a a genocide against the Jews. The king doesn't realise his queen is actually Jewish. And her uncle Mordecai comes and says, you need to go and talk to the king and put a stop to this. And she says, but, but like, I'm not allowed to go and talk to him unless he calls me first. And anyway, then he's going to find out I'm Jewish. And then Mordecai says this, if you keep quiet at a time like this, help will come from heaven to the Jews, and they will be saved. But you will die, and your father's family will come to an end. Yet perhaps... You were made queen for such a time as this." There comes a point in your life as you're coming to wholeness, as you're becoming acquainted with yourself, as you're building a strong and deep relationship with God, as you're discovering the path that you should be going down in life. There comes a point in your life where it's like everything aligns and you realize This is my moment. This is the right place, and maybe I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. When you know that everything has aligned, and it's time for you to launch out in that new project, that new ministry, that new career path, whatever it may be, to begin to do the thing that you know inside you were created to do, don't leave your ship on the dock when it's fully built. Don't launch it before it's fully built, and don't leave it in the dock when it is fully built. Well, what do you do? The next one is this. When your ship is fully built, and when the tides are just right, launch it now. Do you know that God could have sent Jesus 100 years before he did, or 500 years after he did? But look what it says in Galatians. When the right time came... When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. God waited till the right moment, till it was safe. For all of the apostles and early Christians to travel throughout the world, they lived in the time of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. For the Roman Empire had conquered most of the known worlds at that time, and because of their influence, there wasn't a lot of trouble and unrest. Also, although everybody spoke different languages, At that point, because of the Greek empire before it, and now the Roman empire, everybody spoke different languages, but they all spoke Greek. So it was an easy time to communicate. Thirdly, the Romans built big roads. Before that, roads were little windy things that went through woods. but What the Romans did was they were the first people to build highways, big straight roads, so you could travel from city to city quickly. Everything was ready. For God to send his son to live and die and rise again and send his followers all over the world to preach the gospel, God waited patiently for the right time before he launched his ship. And that's some advice for all of us. Let's take those three points again, but let's take them away from a ship back to your own personal life. Let's look at your own personal life here. There's a great quote that I love from uh, a, a man called Earl Nightingale, who was one of like the first personal growth teachers and so on. And he said this, what most people call luck is really when preparation meets with opportunity. In other words, if the opportunity comes, if a door opens, but you're not prepared, you might call that bad luck. Or on the other hand, if you're prepared, but there's no opportunity, you might say, well, that was bad luck too. But what most people call luck is nothing to do with luck at all. It's the fact that two things have come into alignment. You have prepared yourself for the open door so that when the door opens, you are ready to go through it. Let's look at those three points again. Put up the next slide, please. It says, here's, here's my first one. I said this last two weeks follow your heart, but not your heart. When some people say, I want to follow my heart, what they mean is, I'm going to let my emotions rule me. That's not what it means. It's talking about the core of your being, your. Deep down within you, the spiritual aspect of your nature, when you follow the dream that God has put in your heart, the Bible says, above all else, above everything else you do, guard your heart, because everything you do in your life flows out of that. Secondly, follow the signposts along the way. Remember. When the dream on the inside and the circumstances on the outside line up, you know you're in the right place at the right time. Follow the signposts along the way. If God is leading you down a path, He's not leading you into a labyrinth where you're gonna be lost. Look what God does. It says here, set up road signs, put up guideposts, take note of the highway, the road you take for the Lord will go before you and he will level all the mountains. You know, when, when the right path opens up in your life, it's, it's, it feels like all the stars are aligned. It feels like somebody has prepared the path. It feels like all the valleys have been raised and all the mountains have been leveled and you are able to clearly walk down the path that God has given you. The insight the outside. Next point, when both are in alignment, that's when you know that you have an open door. Remember the Christmas story of the Magi? The Magi, God spoke to them and led them to the Savior in two ways, through dreams that they were having inside and through the constellations, the stars aligning on the outside. The Magi left Herod's palace, and on the way they saw the same star they had seen in the east. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. The circumstances on the outside of them were lining up with the dream on the inside. Look, they followed dreams. Then they returned to their country by another road, since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. When both are in alignment, you know you have an open door. Now, I don't mean to say that if you're walking down a path in life and you come across an obstacle, that you just quit and give up. That's not what I'm saying. Because that obstacle might be a test of faith, and faith can move the mountains in your life. You know, I heard a story, I read a story recently about two salesmen. One who was living in alignment and one who wasn't. And the one who wasn't told this salesman, don't go to such and such an area. Uh, They were uh, insurance salesmen. They sold all kinds of insurance. Don't go to such and such an area because I've just wasted a whole week there. Nobody wants to buy insurance there. And the second guy said, why not? And he said, well, first of all, they're all Dutch And Dutch people are clannish, and they all stick together, and they won't buy anything from an outsider. And he said, secondly, they're all farmers, and they've had a crop failure five years in a row. So they're not going to waste any money on insurance. It's a complete waste of time. Well, the guy who was in alignment (coughs) and indulged in prayerful self-reflection thought, those aren't obstacles. Their opportunities. And he did three things. He got himself into alignment. The first thing this guy did, the salesman, was he engaged his spirit. He prayed. And he prayed and asked God to give him wisdom, guidance, and good success. The second thing he did was he then engaged his mind as if his prayer had been heard and answered. He put his mind into alignment and began to think and ponder about how he could take these two stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. And then he came to a conclusion, Dutch people are clannish, therefore all I need to do is find one of the movers and shakers in that community and convince him to buy insurance. And once he buys it, they'll all buy it because they all stick together. Then he thought, they've had a crop failure for five years, so they're not going to waste any money on insurance. But wait a minute. One of our insurance policy protects farmers from crop failures. So I am going to convince them, don't you wish you had this policy five years ago? And won't you wish in five years' time if you continue to have crop failures? And so all he had to do was find the old Dutch patriarch of the community and say to him, if you buy this insurance policy, it will protect you from future crop failures. I'll buy it. He bought it, told everybody else about it, and they all bought it. And that second salesman spent two weeks selling to everyone in the community Because what the first guy saw as stumbling blocks, he saw as stepping stones. And so I'm not saying the first time you come to an obstacle in life, you quit. But I'm saying that if your whole path is obstacles, if it's a closed door, if it's a dead end, if there's nowhere you can go, it is time for you to spend some quality time in prayerful self-reflection, becoming acquainted with yourself and with God and discerning your truth. And maybe that is the right path. And maybe that door that is closed just now is the right door. It's just not the right time. Book of Revelation says this, and we're gonna pray in a moment. It says, these are the words of him who is holy and true who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can. If God has shut a door, stop banging your head against it. Yeah, but but I I, I know that person should be my wife. I want her to be my wife. I'm praying she will be my wife. I'm her. She doesn't want to be your wife. (laughs) All the prayer in the world, God isn't going to hypnotize her. You shall be, I shall be your wife. That's not how it works, folks. You're you're knocking on the wrong door. Okay? What he shuts, no one can open. Now here's what he says: I know about your hard work. You're working hard trying to get ahead, and things don't seem to be working out. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have only a little strength left, and you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. So in other words, if you keep your faith strong, if you keep your connection with God, if you keep prayerful, if you keep open to that guidance to discern the right place at the right time, when the dream on the inside of you and the circumstances on the outside of you line up when God has put a dream in your heart, he will also make the paths level that take you to that dream. I want to pray with us today. I want to pray for each one of us that our spirits will be activated, that we will, be, we will become spiritually awake and alert and sharp and able to prophetically discern where we should be and when we should be and what we should be. The Bible says King David had a group of advisors, the men of Issachar. It said they knew how to discern what the times were. And that's what I want to pray for us. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. As we stand, I want to just Just as we get ready to pray, this is what I'm praying. Put that last Psalm up, will you? The last verse I had, the book of Psalms. Psalm 25, look. With faithfulness and love, he leads all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. And then he says this prayer, keep your promise, O Lord. Forgive my sins, for they are many. In other words, deal with the unresolved issues in my life. And then it says, Those who have reverence for the Lord will learn from Him the path that they should follow. Come on, let's lift our hands up to God to receive His blessing. Close our eyes still our hearts and minds and let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for each one of us today in this place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to do a new work in our lives deep, deep down within our hearts. I pray that you would cause us to spiritually awaken I pray, Lord God, you would cause our spirits to quicken, to come alive, to become clear and sharp and perceptive. I call upon the gift of prophecy within the people in this room to awaken, to be stirred up. I call upon the still small voice within you to begin to speak words to you clearly and strongly. I call upon the gift of discernment to arise within your hearts and life. I call upon the Spirit of God to open the eyes of our understanding, to open the eyes of our hearts, so that we can see the right path and see the wrong path, so that we know the open doors and the closed doors. I pray for spiritual activation to take place deep, deep inside each one of us in this room right now, Lord. Let's say together, Father God, stir me up. Awaken my spirit. Do it now. Right here and right now. Teach me, O Lord, the path I should follow it. I receive it. I will achieve it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on church.